There are times when my tongue just doesn't seem to do what I want it to do. Rubber baby buggy bumpers, I had to read that just to make it work, uh, just, it, it doesn't always come out like it should, right? Uh, but unfortunately, that's not the only time when my tongue doesn't seem to do what I want it to do. There are times in my day-to-day conversations, right, when, when I, I, I say things that I, that, that I wish I hadn't or I say them in, in a wrong way or, or whatever, which brings us kind of to the, uh, the, the series that we're, we're jumping into here for the next few weeks, The Power of Words. Words have a lot of power. What we say matters. Experts say that the average person speaks approximately 16,000 words a day. Some of you are going over your limit. I'll just say that. But the uh, the introverts here kind of make up for it. So there's a balance, right? There's a uh, there's a, on average sixteen thousand words a day. So if all those words were written down, it would be like each one of us is writing a sixty page book every day. Kind of crazy, huh? A lot of words going on. Uh, so. We, we, we have other outlets. It's not just that we're speaking words, though, these, these days. We have many outlets for, uh, for our words. We're, we, we're, we're not just talking to people in our families or our work or at school or in the store or where, wherever we go, but, but we can also write or post our words, right, uh, for the world to see. We can write about anything on, on Facebook or on, on uh, I don't know, whatever. Me- you, can, you can even chat about snaps these days, the young people tell me. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just uh, we, we have all these outlets to use words. Uh, we, we're even we've gotten beyond that. Now we're sending pictures as words, right? We've got the little emojis, and we've got oh, and laughing, and I don't know what they mean, but you can make a whole sentence sometimes, right? A picture is worth a thousand words. So I mean, I think that just bumps up your, uh, you know. And I think my my sixty page book probably would have a lot of illustrations in it anyway. But uh, it. it uh, I haven't even mentioned, so those are all the words that we're saying or we're posting or we're commenting, but there's also a conversation going on inside our heads all the time too, right? There are words that we use, I guess counselors would, would call it self-talk, uh, where we either, uh, we're, we're uh, gearing ourselves up for something or we're, we're, uh, we, we uh, kind of limit ourselves sometimes, ah, oh, you can't do that, or, or oh, I'm so stupid, or, or, or uh, yes, you can do this, and, and we, we use words even to talk to ourselves, the, that ongoing narrative or story inside of our minds. So with all that communicating going on, it might be easy to say, well, there's so many words and so much communicating that I'm doing uh, that, you know, a couple of careless words here or there uh, don't, really, don't really matter too much. I, I think a lot of you probably know that, uh, that careless words, some careless words uh, do matter a lot. Maybe, maybe growing up, you, uh, you, you, you heard some, some negative words, maybe just a few words, but, but they had a huge impact on, on who you were, how you, how you, uh, thought about yourself. Or, or maybe, maybe they were positive words. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe someone spoke encouraging words to you and, 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 uh, set you on a path for great things. Just a few words can have a powerful impact, both positively and negatively. The Bible says that. Uh, Proverbs 18.21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death, positive and negative. Uh, Our words have power. In the book of James, uh, kind of the quintessential passage uh, on, uh, on the use of our tongue and the use of our words, James chapter 3, uh, we see this uh, spelled out in, in great detail. I want to read it today from the message paraphrase, and, and it goes like this. 
A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. And Oh, wait, wait. Uh, it, some of you hearken back to your camping days right there. You're humming a song now. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it, smoke right from the pit of hell. This is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. With our tongues, we bless God our Father. With the same tongues, we curse the very men and women he made in his image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. My friends, this can't go Words have power, power to build up and heal, power to tear down and destroy. And so because of that power, it matters what we say. It matters how we use our words. James uses three images there, and, and I think you caught them. Uh, but just to, to recap, it shows that our tongues are small but mighty, kind of like a bit in the mouth of a horse. This huge animal with, with, one, little, uh, with li- one little bit, one little piece of metal in its mouth, you can control where it goes and what it does, at least in theory, right? You guys that have horses, maybe it doesn't always work that way. But uh, you, can, you can control where that, where that horse goes. A ship's rudder, this, this small, relatively small piece of, of, uh, of wood back in those days uh, that, that was connected to the steering mechanism of a ship, uh, that small little rudder could set a ship's course even in strong winds and, and, and make it go, make this huge ship be able to go somewhere that it needed to go. Of course, a spark can start a huge fire, and uh, we see that time and time again as we, as we uh, uh, see reports of forest fires and all those kinds of things. Just one small little careless spark can have huge devastation. All of those things are so small, but they, 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 they are, have huge influence. And, and James uses those pictures to describe the same thing for the tongue. Something so small, yet it can have huge influence, both for positive and for negative. What we say matters because words have huge influence. Words have huge power. So that's, that's an important thing to think about and kind of the theme that will run through this entire uh, series. Uh, what we say matters because words have huge power. Uh, Matthew, in Matthew 12, Jesus talks about uh, what we say and the importance of our words and, and uh, emphasizes a couple of other reasons why what we say matters so much. Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 34, he says, For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So an- another reason why we, what we say matters is that words reveal the condition of our hearts. They're not just words, they're an expression of what's in our heart. So if we have ugly words, 
that's revealing an ugly heart. Filthy words, filthy heart. Critical words, a critical heart. Encouraging words, tender words, words of love, a a loving, healthy heart. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And I think verse 36 here should probably keep us all awake at night and uh, extra vigilant in controlling what we say because it tells yet another reason why our words matter. Uh, We'll have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word spoken. Yikes, right? So 16,000 words a day, 365 days a year, uh, what, uh, 90 years, your uh, lifespan, whatever. Uh, I don't know about you, but I think I've probably been careless with a few words along the way. I'm not just probably, I know. I could point back to many of those times. Things I've said and I'm not proud of. Things that, that uh, they got twisted or, or, or that uh, got out of control. I'll have to answer for every careless word spoken. So it's important how we talk. What we say matters. Uh, we'll be held accountable to God. Uh, our, our words reveal our hearts. Uh, words have power, the power of life and death, the power to build up and to tear down. Uh, and and these, these issues are really a pretty, pretty big deal. We don't maybe ta- think about them or talk about them a whole lot, but, but really it's a big deal. I mean, we use words all the time. Uh, this should be fun for the next few weeks, right? There was where I heard... Uh, Rousing amen was supposed to just rise up. Yeah, okay, whatever. We, we, we see this, uh, this theme, the importance of words, literally throughout Scripture and, and clear back to the very beginning of time. Genesis chapter 1, we see that God created the heavens and the earth, right? And then what? God said, right? God said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. The power of God's word literally created what we see. Throughout that whole uh, first, first passage, uh, first uh, chapter of Genesis 1, uh, it, it, it says, um, you know, it, it says God said, and then it, it, it gives the sentence that he said, talking about the different things that he's creating. God said, and then at the end of that it says, and it was so. God said it and it was so. God's word produced literally creation out of nothing. The power of words literally from the beginning of time. The serpent, the devil, tempted Adam and Eve with a few choice words, right? Created doubt in their minds, uh, influenced them to sin. We feel the ramification of those words literally to this day. Uh, maybe you remember the story of the Tower of Babel uh, in, uh, in Genesis where, where humanity is trying to build a tower to, to be like God, to reach the heavens, right? How did God disrupt all that? He messed with their language, right? And so then they start, they couldn't understand each other anymore. The power of words literally tore that whole thing apart and, and they, they kind of grouped up into, into the, the different groups of people that could understand them, each other. Through, through all the, the books of the prophets, if you flip through uh, the, the, the books of the prophets in the Old Testament, uh, most of the time it doesn't say, so-and-so was a prophet of God. Uh, every once in a while it might say that, but, but literally most of the time we know that someone was a prophet because it says, and the word of the Lord came to, and it gives the prophet's name. So the word of the Lord came to so-and-so, and he then began to share what the word of the Lord was. God's words were what the prophets proclaimed. God's words were what challenged the people. God's words were what changed the people. 
Of course, in the New Testament, we see Jesus uh, using his words all the time. Many times his miracles were simply spoken, right? Uh, there was the guy, that the, the, the um, uh, royal uh, leader guy that came and said, my son is, uh, is, is sick, and, and Jesus didn't even go with him or even see the, the son. He just said, uh, your, your son is, is going to be all right. And sure enough, uh, when the guy got home, his son was fine, and he asked uh, his servant when that happened. They, it was the very moment that Jesus had spoken it, not even in the same place, Jesus had spoken it, and that, that boy was raised uh, back to health. Uh, we see it out on the Sea of Galilee where Jesus, uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's asleep in the boat. Now, I think, was he really asleep or was he, was he just messing with him? I don't know. Uh, but uh, but he's, he's asleep and they go, oh, we're going to die. There's a big storm and all that. And how did Jesus stop it? He rebuked the wind and the waves, right? He didn't, he didn't like, uh, you know, get a concoction of whatever. or uh, he, he spoke it. He said, peace be still immediately. Peace, Right? You've got, uh, you've got Jesus and his friend Lazarus who had died. And he went to the, the mouth of the, the tomb where Lazarus was laid and he said, roll the stone away. And they said, I love the King James, it says, uh, we don't want to do that, Jesus. He stinketh, it says. Four days he'd been in there. Uh, Jesus, instead of going in and rousing him up or getting a potion or doing some sort of something, Jesus simply stood where he was and said, Lazarus, come forth. And sure enough, that's what the guy did, right? Got straight up and came right out because of the words of Jesus. Now, I'm not saying you're going to calm a storm or raise the dead with your words, but simply recognizing, knowing uh, down through, throughout Scripture, we see the power of words. Down through history, we, we know that words have been, have been an instrument, a catalyst to overthrow governments, to start wars, to end wars, to bring revival, to bring upheaval. Uh, we are smack dab in the middle of a presidential election year. Politicians should be very much aware that words have power, right? They, words mean things. I think one other reason uh, that, uh, that, that we need to be aware that, uh, that, that, that words, that it matters what we say, is that once they're out there, uh, the, the, those words are out there. It's, it's very hard to, uh, to get them back again. Uh, I can remember a time growing up, uh, we had a, from time to time uh, in the church where we attended, there was... Um, uh, the pastor would call the kids forward and have a little children's sermon time, you know. It's kind of cool. We'd do that every once in a while around here. But, but they it called everybody up and a whole group of kids. And, and I still, I don't know how old I was, probably, you know, middle elementary, whatever. And, and I remember that he had a tube of toothpaste and he passed that around. And, and several of us, he said, squeeze that thing as hard as you can. He had a plate and a tube and we'd squeeze it and go on until it was completely flat, right? And, and uh, we thought that was cool. And then he said, oh, he got picked one kid. Thankfully, it wasn't me. And, and he said, okay, now uh, get all that toothpaste back in the tube. And he gave him a, a knife, and he tried. He gave him a toothpick. And, you know, he got a couple of... He couldn't do it. Couldn't get it back. And his whole point of that was uh, that that's a lot like when we speak and the words that we use. It, it comes out, and many times it's, it's so difficult to, to go get those words back and to, to, to bring it back and to make it right. It's... I don't know, another thing comes to mind too. Have you ever seen those shows where, where people regret their tattoos? They want to get rid of them. Um, I have a, have a couple of pictures here that I came across this week uh, that people might, might want to be on one of those shows. Go ahead. That's... Um, 
Oops. Yeah. So, so rather than try to cover it up, you know, uh, just go on with the next one. Okay. Next, next uh, slide. Uh, there's John Bovey uh, instead of John Bon Jovi, I think, right? So, um, all right. But it is your life. Here's, here's Belive. Um, Want to Belive? Next one. Never don't give up. I think that's a double negative, and I think that means give up all the time, right? Uh, and then this last one is my favorite. No regerts. Um, no. <laughs> just. <laughs> and I want to show you that one, right? No. I'm just <laughs> oh, actually, someone literally told me a story this week, not in any relation to, uh, to, to anything. I wasn't even thinking along these lines, but I heard this story this week. Um, this lady told me about uh, her uncle who had gotten a tattoo back in the day uh, and, and while he was in the Navy, and he decided to get a, uh, a, a picture of a rose and the word rose because his fiancée was named Rose, right? And so he got a, a tattoo on his arm with the word rose, and... Uh, no, they, they went ahead and got married. I know what you're thinking, but they, they got married, and, uh, and he had the tattoo, but uh, several years later, they got divorced. Of course, he still has the tattoo. Again, I know what you're thinking, but here's what happened. This true story is what she told me. I, I, I believe her. <laughs> he got remarried to another woman named Rose because he had to because that was what was on his arm, Right? Right? Kind of narrowed his, uh, his pool of people down considerably, but uh, he's now married again to the second rose uh, because the first one didn't work out. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, we, we... that's the thing about tattoos, right? We might regret it later on, but you can't really ever get it back to, to, to where it was before, before the tattoo ever happened. Um, I mean, maybe there's, there's surgery and, and there's, there's tattoo artists can change, you know, he can change the word into a flower. You know, maybe some of you have done that. I, I don't know. Uh, it, it fades over time, sags over time. I don't know. Uh, but it, it's, anyway, it's, it's, it's still, it's still there. And, and, and it, that's the thing about tattoos. They're, they're still there. In some, uh, sometimes some thoughtless, careless moment, something that you thought was a good idea. <laughs> Uh, stays with you the rest of your life. And that might be a good metaphor for, uh, for thinking about our words. Um, they stick around. Uh, at, at thoughtless, careless times, we say things. And many times, those words can mark up someone around us. Their impact might fade over time, but many times those words and the impact of those words are still there. Uh, here's, here's a thought. I, I, what, if, what if the words that we speak, what, what if, if you think about it this way, the words that I speak to my, my, uh, my spouse or my kids or my parents or uh, the people in my life, what if the words that I speak to them uh, were printed on them like tattoos? Would you be more careful with the words that you spoke? Because words do stick around. They have power. The tongue has the power of life and death. Words matter. What we say matters. So I guess we have to, uh, to evaluate, uh, well, how are, how are we doing? How, how are you doing with your 16,000 words a day? How'd you do yesterday with your 16,000 words? You're probably uh, a couple thousand in today. I'm going to have more words today than you are, because this is about 2,500 words uh, or more, depending on whether I stick to the script or not. Uh, we, 
How are you using your 16,000 words a day? Are you doing okay here, or does this, does this need some attention? What are your words revealing about your heart? Again, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about some specific ways, uh, primarily negative ways, that we use our words and how detrimental those things can be. Things like gossip and complaining and criticizing and cursing and lying. and ah, there's, a, there's a whole list of ways that we, we use our words in a negative way. Today, I, I want us to spend uh, more on, on the positive or the proactive side of things. If we're going to have to give an account for every careless word spoken, how can we be more careful with our words? The first one is be quiet. Almost put in, shut up. But I don't know that you're allowed to say that in a sermon. So uh, be quiet. <laughs> Someone once said, talk is cheap because the supply always exceeds the demand. Uh, someone else said, the reason a dog has so many friends is that he wags his tail more than his tongue. Uh, James 1.19 says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. It could be that the best thing you can do to curb carelessness in your speech is to just not talk so much. Or wait before you speak. Be slow to speak. This says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. Two ears, one mouth. Maybe we should listen twice as much as we speak. Listening has huge impact. You, you, you can understand people better. You, you get to know people better. You care for them and, and for what they are, uh, are, are, are about more than, more than you care about what you're going to say next in the conversation. Uh, you don't have to, to, to comment on everything on social media. It's okay to just look at it and go on or to maybe put it away for a while and not mess with it. <laughs> you, you don't have to, uh, to, to blurt out your opinion on everything. Sometimes it's best to just be quiet. How do we curb uh, the, uh, the, the, the careless words that are spoken? A lot of times you just zip it, right? Just wait. Uh, think a little bit. That'd be, that'd be a novel concept, right? This first one might be the only one you need. <laughs> uh, it, it might make the most difference. It'll change your speech more than you know. So, so be quiet. The next one goes right along with it. Edit. <laughs> Edit what you speak in your mind before it comes out of your mouth. <laughs> James 1.26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. That's, that's that image again of, of uh, um, uh, controlling a horse, right? A tight rein. Uh, now, I'm not a big uh, horseman. Those of you that are could, could tell me differently, but, but I, I'm thinking when you have a tight rein on a horse, uh, you have more control over where it's going to go. Is that right? Is that, you guys are, yeah, okay, good. So, so you keep a tight rein on it. You're, you're uh, only giving it certain options of where it's going to go. It's got to, it's got to obey what you're telling it to do. So if we're keeping a tight rein on our tongues, then it's not our tongue that's in charge, but we are in charge, our minds are in charge of what we say. You're not just saying whatever you want, whenever you want, to whomever you want. You can be careful about what you let slip out of your mouth. So internal editing is a great habit to get into. This verse says, it's not just, okay, do this if you want to. If you don't keep a tight rein on your tongue... Your religion is worthless. 
it says. That's, that's a pretty big statement. I, I, I don't want us to just gloss over that. That's a pretty big deal. My, my relationship with God, my Christianity, my, my uh, spiritual witness is literally worthless if I just blurt out whatever I'm going to say. If, I'm just, if my speech is filled with things that it shouldn't be filled with. Uh, then, then my religion, my witness, uh, the, the way that God can move through me is severely limited. This says worthless. It's a big deal. We need to edit what comes out of our mouth before it comes out of our mouth. So, be quiet. Edit. The third one is positive, not negative, or plus, not minus. So Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So if, if you're filling yourself with things that are true and noble and right and excellent and all the rest, if you're filling yourself with those things, your speech will begin to be filled with those things. Your speech will be characterized by saying things that are true and noble and right and excellent and lovely. Spend your time on positive things and it will change your speech into positive speech. Spend your time with positive people. Uh, entertain yourself with positive, uplifting uh, media. Uh, read the Bible. Go to church. There's a, there's a novel concept, right? Hopefully this is a place where you receive positive instruction for life. And, and if you're doing that, then you'll also be avoiding the negative. So positive, not negative. 1 Corinthians 15.33, bad company corrupts good character. Kids, as you're going back to school, remember that verse, right? Bad company corrupts good character. Well, it's true for all of us, right? Uh, I know I'll say this more than once over the next few weeks, but, but if you're not hanging out with people who are using their words uh, negatively or carelessly, then you won't be as likely to do the same. If you are hanging out with negative people who are constantly criticizing, constantly complaining, constantly tearing people down, constantly uh, in that negative mindset, then we become that, right? We, we, we start doing that same thing. Bad company corrupts good character. And of course, that's true for the entertainments that we consume and the, the environments where we place ourselves. Avoid the negative and your words will be less negative. Fill yourself with the positive and your words will be more positive. I guess maybe that's what King Solomon meant in Proverbs 4.23 where he said, Above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart. Fill your life with the good and not the bad, with positive and not negative influences. Guard your heart. Why? Well, Jesus told us why. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So if I'm guarding my heart and I'm keeping it clean, then the mouth will speak the clean, good, noble, excellent, praiseworthy things that it's filled with. But if I'm not guarding my heart and I'm allowing whatever trash to come in, that's going to come out in many ways, specifically as we're thinking about our words. Guard your heart. It is the wellspring of life because the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So, be quiet. Edit. Uh, positive, not negative. The fourth one is help. Speak things that will help. <laughs> Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. A lot of times we quote this and we, we use it and uh, in a good way, that's, that's correct. We should use it. We use it to, uh, to describe, uh, you know, don't, don't cuss, right? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Well, it's a lot more than just don't cuss, right? 
What is the, 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 the speech that should come out of our mouths? Only what is helpful. <laughs> wow, there's something. I'm not just blurting anything out to whoever, whenever. I'm going to say the things that are helpful. <laughs> I'm going to say the things that will build someone up that will meet the needs of people, that will benefit the people that are listening to you? What if you asked yourself, before you say something, what if you ask, wait a minute, the thing that I'm about to say, is this helpful? Is, is this going to help? Uh, is what I'm about to say going to benefit the people that I'm talking to? I, maybe it's self-explanatory. I, be helpful. A lot of times we just speak uh, what Scripture calls empty words, Right? We just speak to hear ourselves talk sometimes. We just, we just express our opinion and just let the chips fall where they may. What if we edited things enough that we recognize that the words that we say should be helpful? Number five goes right along with that, and that is encourage. Colossians 4, 6 says, let your, I love this, let your conversation be full always of grace, seasoned with salt. Let your conversation be full of grace. Have you ever uh, filled a glass so full? I was coming down the stairs the other day carrying my coffee cup and went faster than I should have and out, out came the coffee all over the floor. What if our lives were so full of grace that that's what came out, when, when that's what spilled out in what we said? Our lives so full of grace that it spills out in our conversation. Is your conversation full of grace? Maybe this is the filter that, that kind of over, uh, goes over a lot of these things. Is my conversation full of grace? Am I an encouragement to the people around me? Let your conversation be full always of grace. I uh, heard a podcast this, this past week uh, interviewing... Um, interviewing a guy named Ken Blanchard. Maybe you uh, recognize the name. He's kind of a, a business guru. Uh, he uh, does consulting work. He's, he's uh, maybe in his 70s now, but, but uh, throughout, the, he wrote uh, The One Minute Manager, uh, Who Stole My Cheese, uh, a whole lot of those, uh, those little books that, uh, that, that give some great management advice. Anyway, uh, uh, Ken Blanchard uh, and uh, a business partner of his, Barbara Glanz, uh, several years ago did a, did a training for... Uh, for over 3,000 frontline workers at grocery stores uh, and, well, and other retail stores. So there's over, they gathered, uh, these folks came from all across the country uh, just to learn about the importance of, uh, of how to do their job uh, in, uh, you know, and the power of words and, and being an encouragement as they were kind of on the front lines with the customer in their, in their business, especially grocery stores and, and the, the front lines there, people checking out and all those kinds of things. Uh, about a month after that, uh, Barbara Glanz, Ken Blanchard's uh, partner in this, uh, Barbara got a call from a guy named Johnny who had been at the training. And Johnny told her that, that he was 19 years old and he was, a, uh, he was a bagger at a grocery store and he told where and, and, and he said that he had uh, attended the, the training and he wanted to tell her what he'd done uh, in response to the training that he'd received and, and, and what he'd put into practice uh, uh, about what they'd, what they'd talked about. At some point early on in the conversation, John, Johnny also told her uh, that he has uh, Down syndrome and uh, she could hear his dad kind of uh, in the background helping him with this conversation. But uh, uh, Johnny said that, he said, after your talk, my dad and I got an idea. He said, every day we come up with a statement that is encouraging to people. He said, I use a little book of quotes, but if I can't find a good one, sometimes I make one up, he says. Me and my dad, we type up the saying six different times on a page on the computer. I print off 50 sheets and I cut them all up. 
and then I sign each one and I take them to work. And Johnny went on to tell how uh, as he bags groceries in this job in the supermarket, in the last sack of each person's order, he puts the quote of the day. (laughs) And then he makes sure to look them in the eye as they're coming through. And he says this, I put something very special for you in your sack. I hope it will brighten your day. Johnny does that every single day. And Barbara said that after another month or so, she got another phone call from the manager of the grocery store telling about the impact of, of this. He said, Barbara, I can't believe it. Something really amazing is, happen- is beginning to happen. We have lots of checkers at the checkouts. We are well-staffed, but many of them hardly have anyone in line, just maybe one or two people. But the line where Johnny's bagging many times goes all the way back to the frozen food section. He said, I make announcements over the intercom that there are other lines to move over to in order to get faster service. We walk down the checkouts and tell people there are other lines open, but most of the time people say they want to stay where they are so they can get Johnny's encouraging word for the day. The manager went on to tell one specific story. He said, one woman made a point of telling one of the supervisors in our store, I I used to only come to the grocery store once or once a week, or every two weeks. Now I come almost every day just to buy something so I can get Johnny's encouraging word for the day. I think that's an example of allowing our conversation to be full of grace. An encouraging word. There's a whole lot involved in this. and Like I said, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to drill down a little bit more but I want to give you something to, uh, to, to go away with today that I, maybe it's homework. I don't know. If you want to think about it, it's back to school time. Maybe we need to think about it as homework. But I think, well, I, I want to challenge you with this. In a minute, I'm going to give you the words to, a, uh, to an ancient prayer. And I want you to, 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 to write it out. And I want you to pray it every day for the rest of this month. So we got, what, two and a half weeks left, right? Two and a half weeks left in, uh, in August. The, the next two and a half weeks, I want you to pray this prayer every day. Uh, maybe you, you, uh, I want you to wake up with it on your tongue. I, I want, maybe you need to put it on the bathroom mirror. Maybe you want, need to uh, uh, put it in your Bible or on the fridge or, or uh, uh, type it somewhere on your phone where you're going to see it all the time. Uh, I want you to get in the habit of praying this because I believe if you do, this can change your life and the change the people around you related to your words. The words of this prayer have lasted over 3,000 years. It's, it's written, it's just one sentence, don't, don't worry, it's just one sentence. It's written by a poet, a musician, a king. It's found in Psalm 19, verse 14, and here, here it is, go ahead and put it up. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let the words... Of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. So there's the, the out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? Uh, we, we, uh, we, we say what's in our hearts. So let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Can you catch what the impact of that could be? Can, can, can you, when you're in the, in the midst of an argument somewhere and all of a sudden those words come flooding, flooding back into your mind, well, maybe that'll change what I say and how I say it. Or maybe when the kids are just, oh, 
oh, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation, I don't feel like meditating right now, Jesus, but help me here. May the words of my mouth be pleasing to you. When, when everything's going crazy at work or, or crazy at home or, or you, you're watching the news or whatever, may the words of my mouth, may the medit- things that I think about uh, be, be, uh, be uplifting, be pleasing to God. Just a sentence, nothing magic. But I wonder if we all are, are praying that prayer from our hearts. Just a couple of weeks. You don't have to stop at the end of August. Just a couple of weeks. What could that do? Pray that prayer and see how God uses it to change you and to change your words and in so doing, change the people that you communicate with. May the words of my mouth... Wow, what about on Facebook? Would that change what you post? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock. In my re- well, we've done a whole lot of stuff. We've gone all the way from toothpaste to tattoos and back again. And uh, we ended up in the grocery store aisle, I guess. But uh, all of that to say, our words matter. They are powerful. They are important, both to build up and to tear down. And so it's important for us to allow God to change our hearts and in so doing to change our words. Will you stand together with me? Father God, we thank you for the relationships that we have in life. And we thank you for the communication that we have with others. Lord, we confess that there are times when we have uttered careless words. There are times when we have uttered harmful words on purpose. (laughs) Lord, forgive us of those things. Father God, may the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer.